Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. This world is not your home, so don't make it yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. Make the master proud of you by doing, being good citizens. Respect the authorities, whatever their level. They are God's emissaries for keeping order. It is God's will that by you doing good, you might cure the ignorance of fools who think you're a danger to society. Exercising your freedom by serving God, not by breaking the rules. Treat everyone you meet with dignity. Love your spiritual family. Revere God. Respect the government. Good morning. Okay, grab your Bibles. If you have your Bibles, grab them, please. Can you guys hear me clearly? Because I can barely hear myself. Just want to make sure you guys can hear me. Steve, sound is good? Thanks, appreciate it. Okay, quick question. Does anybody know who this lady is? Does anybody? Now one person knows who this is. Okay. So let's say that this afternoon on Mother's Day, aliens arrive. And they're going to say, take me to your leader. This is who they're going to. You might not have known that we had a plan here on planet Earth, but this is our plan. This is Maslin Othman. She's 58 years old, and the UN has asked her to be the person in charge for humanity's response if and when extraterrestrials come. So yeah, straight up. So if aliens come, or maybe it's not if but when they come, this is our response. Uh, she is in charge at the UN of space affairs. So if we ever have aliens, this is it. You might not have known this, but we already have an outer space treaty. Didn't know that, did you? We have a plan on how we're going to respond. The problem is, it hasn't been updated since 1967. <laughs> this is the plan right now. Um, it, uh, this, <laughs> the plan is that uh, the UN members agreed in 1967 for the Outer Space Treaty to protect Earth against contamination by alien species by sterilizing them. I don't really know what that means, but I think it means kill them. I don't know what sterilizing means. It doesn't sound good. And this is the way Stephen Hawking said it, because we're like, this doesn't sound like a good plan. He goes, well, just think of it this way. When Christopher Columbus came to the United States, didn't work out so well for the Native Americans, did it? If someone's coming to Earth, they're probably trying to come and get something. This is the current plan, and this is the person that's going to be taking care of that. She's actually an amazing lady. She's brilliant. She's an astrophysicist. But it's crazy that we have a plan for aliens. Here's, what we, here's what, where I'm leading us to. This isn't a, a Sunday about aliens or space. <laughs> it is about aliens, though. And the reality is, is that you are aliens. A follower of Christ 
is an alien, a foreigner, and a stranger. You may not think of yourself that way, but that's how you are described. That's how Christ has described us. That's how the word of God describes us. This is what it says here. All these people, and, these, and what it's talking about here in Hebrews 11, it's talking about, we call it the Hall of Fame. In Hebrews 11, it gives this list of these amazing men and women of God that have, that have lived out life the way it's supposed to be. Remember the question that we're going through this series, what on earth am I here for? These are men and women that did it right. And this is how they are described. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. So they welcomed them from here on earth, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Some of your Bibles will translate that word aliens because the word aliens, foreigners, strangers, it's all the same, right? If aliens actually come, they're probably strange, aren't they? Right? Um, but do you ever think of yourself as a foreigner, as a stranger, as a follower of Christ? That's how you need to define yourself. You should be weird. How's that strike you? As a follower of Christ, you are supposed to be weird. The scripture that we looked at today from the message translation, 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12. Friends, this world is not your home. So don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. On this idea of us being foreigners and aliens, we should be, it should be obvious that we belong to Christ. It should be obvious that we're aliens, that we're foreigners, that we're strange. This is what I mean by that. So if um, you're down at the beach here in Southern California, because it's Mother's Day, sorry moms, we worked on it, we're not quite yet able to give you the weather, and to add insult to injury, we decided to throw a bunch of sharks into the mix at the beach, so <laughs> you're going to have to find somewhere else to go. But if you could have gone to the beach today, if you went down there and it was packed like it usually is on Mother's Day, you'd see a bunch of people in bikinis, trunks. But if you were to turn around and see someone rolling in Speedos, and we've all been there, haven't we? And I don't mean you've been the one wearing the Speedos, but if you're at the beach and you see someone rolling in Speedos, what do you think right away? You're not from around here. <laughs> are you from Europe? Where are you from, right? I remember when, um, when I was traveling with surfing and I was uh, in Europe and I was in France and I'm walking around and I've got trunks on. Now as a surfer, even the surfers over there, they didn't roll around in Speedos. Some of them did, but most of them were in trunks. But if you were at a beach and there wasn't any waves and you're walking around in trunks, you're like, what's wrong with you? Like they know you're not from around here. Do you understand what I'm saying? So here, do we fit in? Are we cozy? Do we look like everybody else? Do we act like everybody else? Obviously, we're talking about a bigger issue here than clothes. But what we're going to focus on this morning is who we are. What on earth are we here to do? What on earth am I here for? Well, first of all, we need to realize that what we're here for, it's temporary. We're just passing through. We're here, but we're not staying. And that changes the way we treat it, right? As foreigners and strangers, we need to think of it like we've been given a visa, have you ever gone to a country where you had to get a visa ahead of time or when you arrived there, you had to sign paperwork? 
When you come with us on one of our trips to work in El Salvador, when we go there, you don't get your visa ahead of time. It's one of those countries where you have to have a visa. You have to have permission to come in. When you come in, you, you have your passport, you go through that, you go through customs, then you have the next stage. They won't let you out of the gate to the taxis and everything else at the airport until you get the visa stamp. It costs you $25. You pay, and then they put a little stamp. Boom. They're going to be here, but just for a little bit. You need to consider that here on earth, all of us, not just followers of Christ, but all of us, we're just here temporarily. And knowing that changes everything. And we're here for a purpose. We're here temporarily. When we go to El Salvador, we're there for a purpose. We're there to serve our friends that are down there. Our friends that lead the church down there at La Red, we're there. What are you guys doing? What do you see as important? How are you trying to serve the people here? We belong to you. We're coming in on visa temporarily. Do with us what you need to do. Do you have that approach today? Do you have that approach tomorrow while you're here on earth? Because that's what the scripture's telling us here, right? We all know that death, when it happens, something's not right. We see death and we're like, okay, something, this is wrong. No one goes, oh, that looks great. Whenever you see death, there's something unnatural about it. That's your soul telling you the truth because we weren't meant to be temporarily alive. You're meant to be temporarily here on earth. But you weren't meant to be temporary. You were meant to last. But here on earth, we are described in many different ways in Scripture. Um, we're described as a breath. We're described as a mist. Paul describes us as runners running a race. Thank God, if you've ever run, that running is temporary. Can you imagine if running, you, it never stopped? I know some of you like running, but you still like it when it's over, right? Even when you do a marathon, you're like, I could do another five, six, even ultra marathoners that do 100, 150. They don't want to do 200, 300. It's not meant to go forever. And Paul's describing us as runners. We're described as a breath or a mist. Or one of my favorite descriptions of us is here in 2 Corinthians 5.1. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in, and it's not talking about planet Earth, it's talking about this. The skin, the bone, the eyeballs, the hair, that's the tent. If the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. For many of you, you're so stoked to hear that the body you have right now is not going to be the body you have in heaven. You're getting a new body. I know you're like, oh, I hope it's a good one. I hope I got the six-pack. It's bigger than what it looks like. But you are being given a new body. If you didn't already know that, that's how it's going to roll. So don't feel so bad for being overweight or underweight or whatever it is that you don't like about your body. But it describes it being a tent versus a building. Some of you love to camp. Some of you, that's your worst nightmare. But for all of us, when we come home, we're like, ah, oh, bummer, I'm not in that tent anymore. There's something beautiful about coming, because the tent is temporary, right? A tent is not meant to last. It's meant to be set up, put together, and then taken down and moved on. That's us. We are meant to go home. This is not our home. We are not from here. We are meant to be here temporarily. And we're not going to get into theology of heaven, but the Bible's very clear about this. You also aren't going to be floating up in heaven because there's going to be a new earth and we come back. 
I know, getting complicated here. That's for another sermon. But your body, your time here is temporary. You're in a tent. So we need to start approaching life that way. So we're going to jump in here to Philippians. So if you have your Bibles open to Philippians 3, 20 and 21. This is who we are. This is how we are described. We are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians. As they are hearing this, as they're hearing how they're being described as citizens of heaven, they understand more so than us what that means. Because in Philippi, almost all of them are Roman citizens. It's a Roman colony. So it's a colony that was sent out from Rome, and the people there are absorbed into it. And at that time, being a Roman citizen is a big deal. A big deal. In fact, one of the times when Paul is imprisoned, they find out, they've beaten Paul, they've, they put him in prison, they find out he's a Roman citizen, and they start getting scared because they know where he's from. And they know all the power and the authority that comes behind that because he's protected as a Roman citizen. Yet, here in Philippi, these Roman citizens almost all of them have never been to Rome. So here, Paul's describing, saying, we're citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And some of them, like us, are like, well, I'm a citizen of heaven, but I still haven't been there. How am I supposed to be a citizen of somewhere I don't even really know what it looks like? I, I, I can't touch it. I can't feel it. That's what the people of Philippi are like. They understand this. This is what it says in John 17, 14 to 16. Describing what it means. You've heard this, uh, have you heard the scripture um, that says we need to be in the world but not of the world? Hopefully nobody raises their hand because it's not actually in the Bible. But we've heard it enough. If you've been around church, you hear that. We need to be in the world but not of the world. And so we think it's in scripture. It's not. But this passage is where people pull that from. This passage, another passage in John 15. And Jesus says this. He's, he's praying to his Father in heaven. He says, I have given them, that's us, your word. And the world has hated them, for they're not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. We need to be different. And it's difficult to figure out what does it mean to be in the world, but not of it. And that's why the imagery of being a foreigner is so beautiful. We have... Uh, students in my wife's class that are foreigners, literally from another country. And uh, they're refugees, and they're Muslim refugees. 
and they invited us to their home. And um, Steph goes, I don't know if you want, oh, yes, I do. I was so excited because I love to learn about other cultures, and I love to see how God reveals himself through the spectrum that is our world. And so we're over at their house, and it's, it's their daughter's birthday. They had a, a family party the, the day before, but they wanted to have a separate party that day just for my, their teacher. How cool is that? So the cake is still out. It's three-quarters eaten, but it's still there. And, all, and, and so you know what we had to eat? We had hamburgers. We had french fries. No, that's not how it rolls because they are in Southern California, but they are not of Southern California. And so when we were there, they had food that was just halal. Not haram, but halal. And what that means, because I didn't really understand the depth of that, so I, I, was, I said, what does it mean? Because they, they don't eat meat very much. It's pretty much just vegetables. But when they do have meat, it has to be halal or halal, however you want to uh, pronounce it. And that's why most of the time they have vegetables. Some things that are haram, which means not right, not uh, appropriate. So haram means not appropriate. Some things like that, they don't have alcohol. Uh, they don't have lard. And you're like, oh, how gross. Have you had a bean and cheese burrito? Lard. Um, so, they, there's so there's a list of things that they just, that's not what we do because that's haram. We only have halal. And said, but we have some meat. And they had some red meat and they had some chicken. They said, but it's prepared halal. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. So, he's trying to describe it to me. And he goes, the way we cut it. The way and I'm like, oh, the way you, I'm thinking, they, you know, they cut diagonally or they have a special knife. I'm not going to gross you out, but... There's a special preparation because they believe that God has called them to prepare their food in an honorable way, which, by the way, the Old Testament teaches. And so they have all these rules. This meat can't mix with this kind of food. And the knives themselves have to be prepared a certain way. And the knives themselves that they kill the animals with have to be sharp, 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 because they don't want to torture the animals. In the same way, Part of halal is that an animal cannot see an other animal die. I'm assuming it's because they don't want to send the animal through some trauma. But they have all of these rules. So all of the meat there, it has to be prepared a certain way. And they have certain places where you can buy halal meat. And they have people that oversee how that's done. Like official halal experts that walk around. Hmm, let me take a look at that. Uh, yes, okay, that passes. They walk around to make sure so he knows with confidence that he's eating meat that is halal. They are in Southern California, but they are not of Southern California. Can people say that about us? Can people look at us and go, I don't think they're from around here. Not based on what we eat, not by, based on our Speedos, not based on our fanny packs, but can they see it by who we are? Can they tell that we are not living for earth but that we are living for something much larger and much bigger. Can they tell that we're here on visa? Can they tell that we're here for a purpose? Or are we just fitting in? Are we just trying to get the most out of this life before it ends? Because if we are, we're missing who we are. That's not what we're here on earth for. This passage talks about the parable of the talents, which are three different people that um, a, a, their master entrusts them with his stuff, his money. A talent was money. But it's great for English that it says talents. And the, their word for, for 
Dollars was talents. And for us, talents means your abilities. It's, it's good for us because it means both. So two of them invested properly. They thought through it. They said, look, I'm giving this money for a temporary period of time. He's coming back, and he wants me to do the best I can with this. And the third person's just scared. Not, not lazy, most likely. Not distracted, but fearful. Living life in fear. And so he is given this money, and he buries it. But the other two, I don't know what they did. It doesn't give you the details, but they worked. They realized they were given it temporarily. They realized they were entrusted, and they realized they were supposed to return on that investment. And so this is how the master replied to the two that invested correctly. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now, when you think of that, you're like, okay, if I do some, if, if I'm understanding this passage correctly, if I live life to a certain degree here, God's going to give me more responsibility here on earth. This passage is talking about a lot more than just here on earth. Because when you die and life continues on, we're still going to be working. We were created in God's image. And in God's image, we were created to create. And like God, we were created to be responsible. Adam and Eve, when they were created, they were meant to oversee the world and all the animals. They were given responsibility. And so these men who were given this responsibility are going give to be given more responsibility. That's how you were created, in God's image, who shepherds us and cares for us and tends to us. We are here temporarily on visa, and our job is to tend those around us, to love God and to love our neighbor as ourself. We've got to get this straight, but we can't if we think that our time here on earth, if that's all that there is. There is so much more. So I want to close us with this. Colossians 3. So what do we do? How do we live in the world but not of the world? This passage, I think, says it really clearly. So please go with us. Go through this with me. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So this is what we should be wearing. And this is what we shouldn't be wearing. And he's going to start with what we shouldn't be wearing. Put to death, therefore, speedos. You don't wear speedos on the beach in Southern California. Does it say that? No. But in a similar way, it's saying this. Whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Again, more things that don't fit where we're from. This is not part of our customs. From where we're from, as citizens of heaven, 
This is not us. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Therefore, as God's chosen people, this is what we're supposed to be wearing. Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I know some of you are like, wait, that's the shortest message ever. That is a Mother's Day miracle. Well, we're going to have a few worship songs, and then we've asked Bryn to come up and finish the message. She's going to close with a few words. Um, but these are the last words from me. Hebrews 13 and 14 says, For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. That's Christ's intention for all of us. Because of Christ, because of his death on the cross, as we surrender to him, as we are born again through his gift of new life, we are not just given life forever, but we're given a quality of life, a full and abundant life. But with that life comes the responsibility. Because the life we are intended to live, a full life, is one in which we live for others. Not to please them, but to bless them. People will know, this is what Jesus said, they will know that we are Christians by our love. They will know that you are my disciples by the way in which you love one another. They'll know that we're citizens of heaven in that way. And I love what C.S. Lewis said. He was describing, um, he, he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. This is on the last page of all the books. I think there's seven of them. Anybody experts in Narnia? Are there seven books or six? Seven, thank you. Which is probably not an accident because it's a biblical number and all that stuff. But this is what he says on the last page as he talks about this, this enormous story, this metaphor, this analogy of Christ and of heaven and of how life is supposed to be lived. He says, for this is the end of all stories. But for them, the main characters, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world had only been the cover and the title page. How cool is that? That's why you see us, Lewis. All their life in this world had only been the cover and the title page. What you are experiencing here on earth is just the cover and the title page of what he has for us. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, and in which every chapter is better than the one before. I want to invite the worship team up. They're going to lead us in prayer. Can you stand with me, please? Father God, we surrender to you. 
we ask that you would open our eyes to the truth that we are foreigners and aliens and strangers here on earth. But Lord, we need you to open our eyes even more clearly. You did through your word, through Colossians, through Matthew 25. All of your word, and especially Christ, points to what perfection on life looks like. So Lord, please continue to call us, continue to encourage us. Teach us how to encourage each other to be in this world but not of this world. Teach us how we can challenge each other, encourage each other, spur one another on towards good deeds, deeds that reflect our home, our real home. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to do my very best to get through what I'm going to share um, with you today. But um, Boog asked me to share a particular story. Um, about a year and a half ago, my mom was diagnosed uh, with ALS, uh, or Lou Gehrig's disease. For the last year and a half um, of our lives, um, we watched her body slowly shut down one piece at a time. It was the toughest thing I've ever seen. But it was also um, one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. In the last year of her life, my mom became an alien. Um, not that she wasn't always. She always loved the Lord. Uh, she always had faith. But she was very quiet in that faith. Um, when she was first diagnosed, she was nervous to have me pray with her. Um, so she was always worried about things being too preachy or just she didn't like that. Um, but over the course of the year, I watched the Lord change her heart. And she started fixing her eyes right on him. She told me once, Brittany, every time I wake up and a piece of me is gone, he just takes it from me and he holds it until he can give it back to me. And she learned to live her life with her eyes on him. Um, seven weeks on Tuesday, seven weeks ago, uh, my mom went to be with the Lord. Um, and there's a particular part of this journey where um, the Lord I maybe changed my heart more than hers. <laughs> She mentioned a particular fear to me when she first really started getting vocal with her faith. She said, Bryn, what if, what if when I go to die, um, I have to do it by myself? Like, what if I have to close my eyes and fall and he doesn't catch me and I, I have to go walk into heaven by myself? I don't, I don't think I could take that step on my own. I don't think I can do it. And I looked at her with all the authority in the world and I said, you will know him, you will see him, he will be, he will surround you. He, you will know his love for you. I'm like, don't you worry about that. Don't you worry. And I prayed that every single day of her disease. And every Monday when I sat with her, my Mondays with mother, I would sit with her and I would, I would remind her of that fact. So fast forward about a year and a half. And uh, this is April 4th. I'm sitting with her about two and a half hours before she passed away. And I went to go just stand next to her and talk to her. And when I got next to her, her, her eyes were different. She always had these twinkly, twinkly eyes. And it was as if someone had put like a lens over them. And I just felt on my heart, ask her now. So I got right in front of her so she couldn't see past me. And at this point, she couldn't talk. She was intubated, but she could nod. And I said, Mom, can you see me? No. Like, okay, but you can hear me. Yes. I was like, okay. 
do you, do you see God right now? Yeah. Do you know how much he loves you? Yes. Is he beautiful? Yes. Are you ready to go home? Yes. Friends, I felt so much joy in that moment. This, God didn't just love her in that moment. He loved me in that moment. He loved my family in that moment. The promise that we had that she was going to have, and he just, he told us right there, I am here, I am taking her. She never once from that point on looked left or right. She was nothing but a child of God from that point on. She stared right at him. And you wrote something in the end. I'm trying to read my notes. I don't know if I can. But she was looking forward to her home that was coming right there in front of us. And, you know, as we think about this and we think about being aliens here, we can live that way every single day. We don't have to just wait until we're sick and going to heaven or on that part of our journey. We can be, we can be aliens every day just by putting our eyes on the Lord and allowing him to direct our steps and our feet and our movements. And that's all I wanted to share with you today. Um, actually, one more thing. Uh, because it's Mother's Day or All Women's Day at Branches, in the back, um, my mom was a big... Um, she had a very public job, and she used analogies for a lot of things. So um, I took some time to make these little anchors for all the moms and the women here who just pour into the lives of our kids, pour into the life of branches, who really just do put their eyes on the Lord every single day, and you show it every single weekend when you're here. And we just appreciate you so much. So please take one uh, with you when you go. Take one for someone else, too. Have a blessed Sunday, you guys. Actually, should I close in prayer? I'll close this in prayer really quick and we can go. Sorry. <laughs> Father, thank you so much for, for today, um, for all the hope that you give us, for the beauty that happens right in front of us every single day. I pray, I pray that every person in this room would have their eyes open and live expectant that you are going to show up at any and every moment, that they are not alone, God. I pray that they would walk with you and see you and just be filled with your hope as they go from here today. In Jesus' name, amen.